Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Commiserate. I'm Sam. And I'm Dave. And we have... Bleh. Can we skip over? <laughs> no, I kind of want to keep that. I can't talk, okay? I'm operating off of little sleep. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Are you? Very much so. Oh. So much so. What happened? Um, this actually is my point of commiseration. Oh, today. do tell. So, um, last night it was great. Went to the gym, uh, came home, had some dinner, made a smoothie, um, caught up on, uh, Loki and then, you know, went to bed like at a reasonable hour. That sounds and like a great evening. It was right. And I fully expected having a great night of sleep and stuff. And then woke you went up to the job wide awake at two in the morning. No idea why. Ooh. Um, and like wide, wide awake. And I was like, okay, how long do I lay here in bed until like like just trying to fall back asleep before you just kind of surrender and say, All right, well, I'm gonna get up and, and do stuff because this isn't this isn't worth it. Um so got up and you know, tried to nod off, you know, because you know, we have like work and life and, and stuff yes. to do the next day. So that didn't We actually do have a life to lead. Uh, well, some days. Um and yeah, so that was just real crappy. Was it overall? There are children here. Watch your language. Oh, sorry. It was very, very bad. That's more like it. Was it something in the smoothie? I don't. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I got some I new know. protein powder, and I don't. It, it was fine, but it hasn't been approved by the FDA yet, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it uses unpasteurized. Uh yeah. Um, I I would like to briefly talk about. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. Moment of silence for Matthew Perry. Okay, that's enough. Don't Sorry, be rude. It's, it's I sent been dead a week. Give him a minute. Oh um, no, that's that's really sad. No, I was with some friends at a fire pit when I got text message from my sister in law saying Matthew Perry died, and you know it's it, it was like one of the few celebrity deaths that I actually had to take a moment like wait what really I think the first celebrity death that really caught me off guard and I had to actually process was Carrie Fisher mm, that one was fully unexpected I'm still not really over over Carrie Fisher but um but Matthew Perry and I feel bad because I was rooting for Matthew Perry to make a comeback like a big career comeback I know he released like a big long memoir uh last year i think it was but people were worried about him especially after seeing he didn't appear to be in the best condition at the friends reunion they claimed it was because of a dentist appointment he had just before but um i mean he had struggled for a long long time drug addiction and you know he i think after the show ended it just never got easier for him but yeah that was it was it was sad to hear about Sorry, Matthew Perry. But great actor. Great actor. Hilarious. I think we take a lot of inspiration from his sarcasm. <laughs> inspiration or just, just personality traits? Pick one. Little, same yeah. thing? Yeah. 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 We've actually... <laughs> um, we need to tell him about the... Actually, me, you know, I, I feel in honor of the man. I feel yeah. like this is a, a very reasonable story to uh, to share. You take it. Um. So, man, when was this? Last year? Last summer, I we think. We had yeah. a, um, we set up a a minor film festival, and to introduce uh, the main the main film, we recreated um, the scene with the the dog statue. Yeah. I forget the name of it. Um, 
I forget it too. Um, but it's Joey and Chandler's iconic entrance as they come like rolling in on this statue. Giant statue of a dog. Chandler's eating a sandwich. Joey is saluting. We did it because a lot of people have called us Joey and Chandler. And so we were like, we could. Not only for our immature immature personalities yeah. and sarcastic wit, <laughs> um, but our, our humor. Our humor. humor our, all our, the funny. We're great friends. Uh, yeah. We're, all, we're really no, good friends. You're not going to get me to admit that on the air. No, no, no. No, I mean okay. to other people. Oh, like, yes, yes, really yes, yes. Okay, yes. We're really good friends. Okay, yes. People, I have of, friends. Yeah, have I have friends, friends other friends than you. Too, right? Yeah, no, totally. Hey, let's talk about Loki. So <laughs> that thing you're here for. Well, uh, we'll just cut all of that out. Yeah, that's fine. Just, just yeah, that's, that's, that didn't right happen. Yeah, fix it in post. It's fine. Um, fix it in post. That's okay, an so Loki. We're on season two, episode two. That's the one. Uh, episode two, Breaking Barad. Um, I have to. I have to admit, I laughed because the name title. Yeah. Um, you can't help but think of Breaking Bad. I mean, obviously, like the title obvious. is just a, a clear pun. It's a it's a, it's like, a joke they, take on. Did they end up giving him the name Brad purely so that they could use this title so, joke? <laughs> um, turns out I, w- I was reading some of the behind the scenes spoilers, and Brad Wolf is actually a uh, a character in the comics. So he was ah, okay. a previous, yeah, uh, he, nice. he's a, you know, known to the yeah. comic fans. He's a main, he's a character. But. Well, overall, this episode, my biggest takeaway from this episode was it was here to remind us of what made us fall in love with Loki in the first place. He's a villain. We love Loki because as it's constantly shoved down our throats, he's the god of mischief, chaos, and he's mischievous. Mischievous. Um, he's- but that's one thing that was difficult for me watching the first season. Personally, I don't like watching Loki gone soft. Um, like for me, an anti-hero is so much more compelling to watch than just a full-on hero. So this episode, it seemed to be like responding to people who might have had complaints about that. Was it a ton of fan service? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I I like being served. <laughs> that's fair. I do like um, kind of the the exploration, the depth of the character. Because, like, it, Loki in the movies, um, he's I don't want to say he's one-dimensional, but it's like, okay, he's a bad guy, he's adopted, he's, you know, a turn-traitor, villain, um, and he's just kind of this anti-hero that kind of just does stuff in the movies. And, and here we kind of see, and, and we saw this a lot more in season one, kind of the character development He's kind of coming to rationalize, am I the villain? Will I always be the villain? Can I be the good guy? What is the greater good? Like, what are we fighting for? That whole kind of, and and some of those themes were were touched on, and you could see kind of his character um, hit these ideas and see the conflict. But in this episode, you see um, the one conversation with Brad where they're kind of, well, we'll get to that. Oh, sorry. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Well, no, I never felt like he was one note in the movies. Um, you also, I think you just never, what I liked about him in the movies was you never knew what he was going to do next. You knew that he was thinking at least 10 steps ahead of everybody else and always had his own agenda for the most part. Uh, but there were, like, you got some surprising moments of emotion. I remember, like, when he was grieving over the death of their mother uh, things like that, but 
season one of the TV series, like it started off strong with him, like kind of sticking to his more mischievous roots. Uh, but as it progressed and naturally there's going to be character development. I'm not saying I don't want character development, no, but it is a core fundamental, but just making show. it like a full 182. Yeah. Oh, he's a good guy now. But, uh, as the episode title tells us, it's called breaking Brad, who is the new name for, uh, one of the TVA agents, X5. Who is X5? Well, he is a random TVA agent who only appeared as of this season. Random. He's a hunter. I know, but he only he came out of nowhere like this season, and we're randomly supposed to now care about him. I do. I do feel like they kind of threw it out of nowhere. They were. He became an all important character, and mm. I don't remember seeing him in any previous episode. Right. Maybe I was just like, blind. I had to look it up to make sure that. I was like, did he appear at all in the first season? And I couldn't find anything. So uh, was that necessary? I don't know. But anyway, X5, he was sent to go in search of Sylvie in the season premiere. And it seemed like he had a weird relationship with one of the old ladies working. That's the only thing I could remember. Um, But anyway, he landed in 1977 of the sacred timeline, which is the main timeline that matters. Um, and he somehow became an actor in 1977 and kind of an A-list celebrity. I, I love the scene where they like, okay, just, just for the record, the costumes Mm. and the set pieces and the scenes in this entire season are just fantastic. Yeah. Here it's like 1977. It's like old timey theater, uh, back alleys, um, the costumes, the, the sets, they're just beautiful. Like the attention to detail Disney put into um, just the the ambiance, the setting feel the of scene, each. fantastic. Yeah. Now the I was thinking about um, I think it was in the next uh, or no this episode is we kind of stepped away from that like cinematic approach. I think back in uh, or in episode one it was very like each shot you felt was lined up for the shot. We talked uh, mm-hmm. about how it felt much more like a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Like some of the colors, some of the sets or, um, there was like a lot of thought put into every shot. Yeah. In this, I feel like they're shifting away from like camera positioning and more to just plot line. Yeah. We just need to get through the story. <laughs> Let's just set it up, which is kind of sad you know? to see, but it's not bad because we're, they're here probably the saving story. that stuff for like the premiere and the finale. That's which makes a lot sense. of times how it goes. I have one note that I wrote down. Of all the names you could choose for yourself, you go with Brad. Brad. <laughs> no offense to if there are any Brads listening out there. I think you're probably a Brad. If you're cool listening, person. we love you. You're yeah. great. Um, good job. Yeah, please sponsor us. Um, but for anyone not named Brad, why would you? Why? Would you like who in their right mind? Um, Bradley. Bradley. Somehow that seems better. Is it? No offense to any Bradleys we're watching. We're <laughs> <laughs> we gonna have to apologize to everyone who has a name that we. Can have an apology video. Yeah, um, I did notice. I mean, you kind of touched on it with production, maybe being a more rushed, uh, a bit more rushed. It's the scene where they're chasing Brad down, and Loki uh, kind of clo- clones himself to trap him. Uh, there was one moment moment where Loki has him surrounding, and Loki keeps like reappearing. I had to pause it because one of the times hit one of his clones is so clearly not Tom Hiddleston and is very clearly a body double. It didn't take me much to like, I didn't have to zoom in or anything. Uh, 
I just love when I'm able to catch things like that. But watch them release a behind the scenes that proves me wrong. I I figured they would have just filmed Tom Hiddleston three times and like and it's like they had the camera moving. Yeah, I mean I'm viewing it from the perspective of filming with my cell phone. So what do I know? Fine. Um, There was, uh, they then bring him in for questioning, and they kind of they try to triple team him uh, B15, Mobius, and Loki. And uh, this was an interesting scene because maybe I'm just being too nitpicky. I felt like Brad, whether it was like the character or the actor, was trying just way too hard to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every new Marvel villain tries so hard to outdo the one who came before. Uh, that's how it kind of felt about He Who Remains last season when we were introduced to him. But I'm probably in the minority. But I don't know. I don't know. I, ha- I so far I haven't felt like there's been any been any egregious acting. Like nobody no. feels all the characters feel pretty reasonable and grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad, in this case, he's coming from an actor's background and stuff, so I kind of understand where as an actor, as an actor, <laughs> um, speaking from personal experience, yeah. um, that kind of entertainers you saw that more in the in the theater like schmoozing the the news mm-hmm. reporters and you know um i will say he succeeded in doing something that is not easy he managed to get under loki's skin um because oh, he said there you was a there was a bit there where mobius and loki like they're going in for the interrogation yeah. and mobius is like play it cool don't let him get under your skin mm-hmm. he's kind of a jerk and then during the conversation he gets under Mobius skin and he breaks yeah. and there's the whole bit. It was kind of funny with the dialogue. Um, Loki's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Mobius is like, no, that was a tactical move. Yeah. I was, you know, it was part of the interrogation plot. And then later when they're eating key lime pie, which talk about the key. Lime well, pie. Oh, we'll get to that. I have okay, one more thing about this scene because Brad tells Loki, uh, you make things worse for everyone. Like stop trying to be the hero. And it was when, he mentioned like including your mother. That was like what really got to Loki. Loki almost broke. I did enjoy Mobius's uh knock knock joke. Uh, like knock knock. Who's there? Brad. Brad who? That showbiz. I've never heard that knock knock joke before. That's pretty good. That I, I was fantastic. Um, I wonder if you have the same note about the key lime pie as I do though, because then in true Mobius fashion, they decide to go get a slice of pie and talk things over. But what was your thing? The key line. No, I, okay. I love this. I, I got a glimpse back to, I think it was The Fugitive, mm-hmm. um, where I'm blanking on his it's name. A great right. movie. Um, he stops and he's like, you, oh, no, no, it was Men in Black. Oh. It was Men in Black. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, like, Tommy same. Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. And he's like, you want a slice of pie? <laughs> That's, yeah. And he's like, what? He's like, come on, let's go get a slice of pie. And, it's like you think better on a slice of pie. And I was yeah. like, I don't know if this was a reference or a, a just it, it just kind of it was nice because I I feel like we all have that kind of intrinsic primal. Have a slice of pie and think it over. Life will be better after pie. Do you want to get a slice of pie? I after would this? love okay. a slice of pie. <laughs> you think I'm joking. I'm being dead serious. Pie uh, <laughs> is the best, but custards also work. You didn't have the same thought. As I did. I mean, no, I mean, I agree. Go for it. But um, when we see the key lime pie itself, I wrote down, hey, I love key lime pie, but that stuff looks like green Play-Doh. No, that's, 
You know, and I... That looks so disgusting. I got a stomachache just looking at it. Okay, just... And I I don't want to throw any, like, too many fan theories in there, but looking at... When they walk into the automat, Mm. the entire room is just the green, awkwardly green. Yeah, it's... Pie. An unappetizing green. And I'm like, they don't have any other food items. They yeah. just have this pie, it's just which is a pie. unsettling green. It's I not was, even like a appealing. It did not make me want pie. No. But I currently not. want pie now that we've talked about it. But um, I, I'm interested in seeing if there's any connection with like the dietary restrictions of the TVA no. or yeah, anyway. It could be like many Marvel Easter eggs. They're could be either some major point or inconsequential point. One or the other. Um, and I really did love this scene, though, like when they're minus the pie itself, um, this conversation, because this show, one thing that makes this show so great is because it knows when to take a breather and actually slow down because it's a very, very fast moving show. It's like if you it's leave the room for 10 seconds, you need to have yeah. someone catch you up on everything. But um, this conversation between mobius and loki i appreciated loki's throwback to the first avengers movie where he's like hey you know we lose our cool we all lose our cool sometimes i remember when i held the entire city of new york hostage and uh tried to kill iron man love that yeah and owen wilson reminds him well you're the god of mischief again they want to remind us of why we love loki in this episode and it got me thinking who wrote this and i looked it up it's eric martin uh, I was like, is he just that big of a fan? And uh, this is an important production note because in my research, I found that while the first season of Loki had different writers for each episode, uh, there were a couple writers who like helped on maybe two episodes, but season two is entirely written by the same person, Eric Martin. Uh, he, he wrote one episode of the first season and he also co-wrote the season one finale and uh the creator of the series itself michael waldron he didn't return to do any writing this season he's still an executive producer he's listed as one um but whatever the case i do like in a series when all the episodes are written by the same writer because it's consistent Mm -hmm. for one and they're also able to see their vision kind of play out and they are in control of those details uh, for the most part. So I was like, Eric Martin must really love Loki the villain. And he wants us to remember why we love Loki the villain too. I'm glad he's kind of bringing it back around. And it is nice when you can have um, one, one writer for an entire season or, or arc. Mm-hmm. Cause that way you, there's just consistency with the, um, and we're going to, um, like with the styles and, yeah, the art style, the characters. Um, and I feel like when you have that, um, one writer knowing when to branch off into, and I we're going to see it um, later on, but they can jump away from the main plot line into subplots or mm-hmm. alternate um, like side quests that still feed into the overarching plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of help with like story pacing and cause I mean, they still have a lot of time in this show to fill. There's um, a lot of time. And it was interesting reading some of the reviews on this episode. Some people said that it moved too fast. I don't know what's going on. This is the worst episode in the season so far. <laughs> the Which, second episode. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a tall order, but, 
Um, I don't. I don't see it. Like, like this was a this was a fantastic episode. this episode. Um, yeah, it was. Because um... we we also get to get some dialogue here with Sylvie. Yes, so and they... we we will get to that. But before that, we have the interrogation scene with just Loki. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I let's talk like about this interrogation scene. This was like attempt number so two. After the pie yep. talk, mm-hmm. um, they say, let's go in for round two with Brad. So they, they, they bust in. They set up this cart with a generator. And it's, yeah. it's, I don't know if there's a specific name. For I'm it, sure there's a specific it's name. It's the box machine. It's the box. The box. The box. Loki, let's go use the box. So they bring in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mobius goes out to get like the you know controller device. Loki locks the door. So now it's Loki and Brad in the interrogation room with the torturous box device the box device the boxer the device um it is a simple yet terrifying torture device because from what we've seen all it does is make a box but that box can be big it can be big that box can be little it can be really little like and you can be in the box when it gets really little so that that that's kind of a and this was great because this was when Loki was like, you know what? I have done some terrible things. So Loki puts Brad in the box. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because he's like, how does this thing work? So yeah. he like sh- he like crushes the table. Yeah. And at this point, Brad is freaking out. Brad's knowing that, oh, okay, he's actually not playing around. Uh, and so Brad is gradually running out of space in this box. And uh, he's begging Loki to stop. It is... Honestly, a pretty brilliant scene. It is fantastic. Um, but of course, you know, he doesn't actually Nothing horrific kill him yet. He just the wants to know is terrible. He wants to know where Sylvie is. Brad reveals that he abandoned his mission. Uh, but he does know where Sylvie ended up. And so we do meet back up with Sylvie. Brad takes Mobius and Loki to 1982, Oklahoma, where we finally reunite with Sylvie who is sporting her best Joe Dirt haircut and working at a McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> McDonald's. I was reading that uh, the location that they used for this, uh, it was filmed in a former restaurant building in England, and they worked along with McDonald's, of course, they would have to, to yeah. ensure that everything was accurate to the time. Uh, and they had to make it like, those really vibrant colors that you would see everywhere in the eighties and Loki uh, gets Sylvie alone and he tells her, look, you know, we need your help. And Sylvie is convinced that she is happy working at this McDonald's in middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, which it had to be the eighties because be happy working at a McDonald's. No offense. If you live in Oklahoma or work at a McDonald's, no, or, or, or offense. no offense. If you work at a McDonald's in Oklahoma, <laughs> Okay, I'll give Could you, you imagine a worse fate? Absolutely. Um, Sylvie's you, like you're working for the big MD down at the OK. OK, that's that was actually my reaction when Sylvie was saying, "I'm happy. I'm happy here." I literally said, "OK, Sylvie, <laughs> sure. I'm happy, Loki. I have bangs now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know what, and. I still don't understand Sylvie's, you know, because I feel like in the last season, Sylvie had such a great 
like character and and there was such a great um energy between Tom Hiddleston and um I forget her name. Um the actress Sylvie actress Sylvie. yeah Sylvia Sylvie's actress. Um they had such a great chemistry uh so Sophia D Martino. Um, I knew that. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Um but in this season she again she just seems very one note. One note. Like I and I feel like they they focused on um, honestly, in this season, I feel like they're focusing more on time paradoxes and trying to understand the time element that they kind of put Sylvie by the wayside. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We just had you like your whole thing in the last season was to kill the one who remains. And now that you've done that, mm-hmm. you've just retired from everything. But it was also last season was spent building up the bond between her and Loki as well. Like, did they have kind of different agendas? Sure. But this time, like when she meets back up with Loki, I I get that, you know, there was this big conflict at the end of last season, but I just don't understand why I like there is such hostility and anger and resentment. I was like, given everything that you guys went through, why are they just giving her this one character trait? Like, no, I'm over it. And, you know, if I had to, I'd do it again. But and it seems it was frustrating. pretty consistent through this episode. Like there yeah. was no. There was no reasoning. It was just like, I'm done. I found yeah. my place. I'm happy. Leave me alone. And they said, well, what if his variants, uh, he who remains, you killed him. And now his variants are actually cool. I'll just kill all of them too. And that way I can keep my minimum wage job here at Oklahoma. But they then find out that Docs, who I can't remember if Docs made any appearances in the first season. Yeah, she was one of like the military general, like the overseers right. of. I don't remember her like TDA. being a huge player, but I could be. Totally wrong. I haven't watched the last season since it aired. Well, it but, was like um, the one woman in the wheelchair, Docs, and the one dude that was like taking a nap. Right. Yeah. I remember them from the premiere of yeah. this season. But anyway, they find out that Docs is going to destroy all of the new branches that were created as a result of Sylvie killing He Who Remains. Uh, so now they're kind of in a crisis of conscience because destroying all these branches that weren't supposed to be there in the first place are going to kill all the people living in those various so, branches. Yeah, I thought it was so there's weird. actual lives at stake. I felt like they kind of not glazed over it. They did they said it, but it was kind of hard to pick up on everything. It was like basically if they don't if they don't stop these alternate universe, these branching universe I universes. Universe I Universals. Sure. Um then the time the time stream explodes like implodes on itself implodes or something on itself like, yeah. because there's too many. And it's like, okay, well, so if you have too many branches, it explodes. So mm-hmm. you have to like kill these alternate universes yeah. just to, I, I, I'm still a little fuzzy on the whole temporal. So I, yeah, I have to break it down into simple terms. They're going to kill all these people, kill the people yeah. or everyone. Goes it's kind of like, um, the trolley dilemma yeah. where like, you know, yep. do you kill one person to save five, like on the track or, you know, what? what's the, I've heard it. It's like 10 people on one track and your grandmother on the other. Oh, I don't know. We never use the grandmother analogy. Okay, well, just, that, you know, you must choose. You must choose. <laughs> um, okay. So, but then they end up destroying all of those, yeah. uh, and Sylvie is, you could tell she is not happy and she's pretty intent on blaming everything on Loki. And she's like, you know, I losing my minimum wage job now. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, the only thing that confused me, I thought that they would have destroyed her branch at the end, but she ends up back 
in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm not fuzzy on that either. She was on the main timeline or she was on a branch that didn't get cropped. But she's talking to one of her co-workers at the end. She's like, hey, whatever his name is, do you have a ride home? And I don't. Are we done? Are we just not getting it? Or Uh, Yes, probably to both. Um, We just high fived. Sorry. Um, So I wasn't really clear on that ending, but. My only final note that I wrote down for this episode was, oh, I love this show's featured music. I forget what song was playing for the end credits, but apparently I this apparently I really liked it. So this is episode two. So the closing song was, and I made a note for this. Oh, so Cosmic Blues, spelled with a K, Cosmic, Cosmic Blues with a Z. by Janis Joplin. Oh, Joplin. It was actually one of the last songs she recorded in, I think it was 1989. We were reading about it, but it was like one of the last songs she recorded with um, the band that she was with uh, at the time. You even kind of morphed into Owen Wilson. Just now, like, Janice Joplin. No, I didn't. It's from watching the show. Wow, I sound just like Come on. I can't believe you would say that to me. Actually, speaking of Owen Wilson, uh, I was with some friends a couple weeks ago. We watched Midnight in Paris, which I hadn't seen since it came out. Uh, Owen Wilson film by uh, Woody Allen. Uh, I recommend it. I remember really liking it when it came out. And it's a very Owen Wilson-y film. Did you see Midnight in Paris? Not that I remember. No. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to now. Yeah, this guy, uh, he's there in Paris with his fiance, played by Rachel McAdams. And he's more fascinated by the Roaring Twenties and what that must have been like in Paris at that time. And so he kind of ends up actually time traveling. Um, and gets to relive like each night at midnight he catches a certain like horse and buggy and it takes him back to the 1920s it's it's entertaining but anyway there's a lot of wow moments from owen wilson okay i'm gonna have to so i forgot how good owen wilson is he's entertaining he never disappoints because the last movie that i recently saw with him in was Zoolander. Oh. And he's <laughs> yeah. is just such a unique um, Oh yeah. Him with Ben Stiller, it's always completely hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um anyway, overall the, I was there anything else important in this episode that I, we needed to cover? Not that I wrote down, which means I either didn't understand it or just didn't pay attention. But overall I actually really loved this episode and I was here for the fan service. I love Loki the villain. And I want more of Loki the villain. But what were your thoughts? Do you prefer Loki as more of the anti-hero or Loki the good guy? Or just Loki the full-on villain intent on ruling over everything? Let us know. And we'll see you next week for Loki episode three. That's it.